There were countless generations who knew the story of Abraham by heart, word for word. But how many did it render sleepless? That's an excerpt from Fear and Trembling by Soren Kierkegaard, uh, written under the pseudonym Johannes de Silentio, John the Silent. And in that book, part of what he does, uh, he does a lot uh, in that work. But part of what he does in that book is that he invites the reader into the psychological terror and torment of the soul which Abraham presumably underwent. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him there as a burnt offering. What the Lord asked Abraham to do could not be understood in ethical terms. How could Abraham's actions have been justified ethically? And it certainly didn't make the command of God, didn't make any sort of pragmatic sense or rational sense. This is the son of promise given to Abraham and Sarah in their extreme old age. The first of many descendants. And you want him sacrificed. Could you have really, could you really blame Abraham had he thought that the voice of the Lord was actually the voice of another? The devil. But Abraham knew God. He knew his voice he knew the voice of the shepherd. He trusted him. And he knew that God could not lie. And that God had said, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an ever everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. It was impossible for Abraham to reconcile the past promises and actions of God with his present command. But nevertheless, he trusted. Nevertheless, he obeyed. He obeyed. Throughout this pericope, the Lord calls on Abraham, what does he say? Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. We don't know what was going on in Abraham's mind over those long three days, except for one thing. We know that he put his trust in God and that his hope was in the resurrection. You see, it's, it's clear from the text that Abraham was not expecting God to say, okay, don't. He was ready to go through with it. He was going through with it. 
He wasn't miming it, kind of going through the actions of obedience and like, okay, I know last second God's going to let me off the hook. No, he was all in. So what was his hope? He was anchored in the hope of the resurrection. Listen to Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. That's key. Isaac didn't die, but but the offering of his son in total self-consecration to the Lord was nevertheless there. Here I am, I'm yours. I love you, I trust you, you're a God who cannot lie, you're a God who keeps his promises. Even when we can't understand, and most of the time we can't, how in the world God is going to keep his promises. He does. I'll continue with the scriptures. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, in the story of Abraham, in his life, and by story that doesn't mean you know, this was made up. This is not ancient, you know, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. But in the account of Abraham's life that we get in Holy Scripture, we see the archetype of faith. We see the exemplar of faith, of what it means to know God and to trust him and to follow him and be obedient unto him. We see what genuine faith looks like. We don't even really need the epistle of St. James to tell us that faith is much more than believing things about God, knowing things about God. But it's a knowing, it's a trusting, it's a believing in relationship. It's the total entrusting of one's self to him. We see this in Abraham. We see it in his offering of his son Isaac to Almighty God, again, an offering, a command that defies logical or ethical description. So we see faith, but supremely in the sacrifice of Isaac, in the would-be sacrifice of Isaac, we see Christ. We see the gospel. I don't know how you could read Genesis 22 and take Genesis 22 as Holy Scripture and not become a Christian. Every detail in this story is about Christ. It all points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you read through it, it almost seems almost too on the nose. Like, yeah, we get it. It's about Jesus. It's about his life and his death and his resurrection and his offering on on behalf of the world, about the Father's love for the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have life. In the sacrifice of Isaac, we see the sacrifice of Christ. Jesus says in John 8, and if you read through John 8, this is when things start to get really spicy. (laughs) 
and tumultuous. He says in John 8, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. When did Abraham, when and in what manner did he see Jesus? There was no Blu-ray. There was no Netflix. He didn't watch it. didn't stream it. Well, that's going to be cool. He saw it in the testing of his faith, in part. The story of Abraham and Isaac, again, is the story of the gospel. And I know you're sick of hearing this. The Old Testament is all about Jesus. If you don't believe me, listen to Jesus. He says on more than one occasion that the Torah, which includes Genesis, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, bear witness concerning me. And that this is the case is nowhere more clearly seen than in Genesis 22. The story of the gospel. Abraham is a type of the father. And Isaac is a type of of Christ. Abraham offers up his only son whom he loved. The father offered up his son, the most famous Bible verse in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You'll notice on the text that it's on the third day that Abraham sees the place of sacrifice. It's on the third day that the father receives back his son. This is a symbol of a type of the resurrection. The wood for the burnt offering is laid on Isaac. As the cross was laid on Christ, Isaac carried the wood as Christ carried his cross. And as Origen of Alexandria pointed out, he has many sermons on the book of Genesis. He points out that it was the priest who were to carry wood for the offerings. Thus, Christ is proclaimed in this text as both priest and victim, as the one offering and the one offered. As the altar for Isaac was upon a mountain, Moriah, so was the altar of the cross upon a mount, Golgotha, the Mount of Calvary. Isaac, and of course, Isaac is a type of Christ. And we, we laud Abraham's faith and his willingness to offer his self up, to offer his son to the Lord. But Isaac, in his, we can sort of read between the lines. 
we see the willingness of Christ to offer himself for the life of the world. He, he doesn't run away. He doesn't fight his father. He does ask some pointed questions. Like, Dad, I see the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham replies, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Brothers and sisters, in this verse, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. God provided a ram, a sheep, here in Genesis 22. But ultimately, he provided the way of salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ, the Paschal Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So the ram then is also a type of Christ who was offered in our stead. And that the ram caught in the thicket, that the ram was caught in the thicket, brings to mind the passion of our Lord. St. Ephraim, the Syrian, writes this. He said, the mountain spit out the tree in the tree, the ram, in the ram that hung in the tree and had become the sacrifice in the place of Abraham's son, there might be depicted the day of him who was to hang upon the wood like a ram and was to taste death for the sake of the whole world. The account of the sacrifice of Isaac is the proclamation of the gospel. It's a revelation of the love of God supremely displayed in the giving of his son and the salvation won through his son by his life, his death, and resurrection. What then is to be our response? Well, luckily, Paul has already done all of the heavy lifting in his epistle to the Romans when he spends 11 chapters. He gets towards the end of chapter 11 and he just breaks out in praise in the be- because of the beauty and the truth and the goodness of the gospel and the so great a salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he begins chapter 12 and he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, in the light of who he is and all that he has done and the salvation that we have in him, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In response to the love of God is offered salvation is to make a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, a sacrifice of total self-consecration to the Lord. To take up the faith and zeal and love and trust of Abraham and offer all that we are and all that we have back to the Lord in praise. 
Abraham is, we could call him the father of faith, in that the rescue of mankind in Christ has its definitive beginning with him, and in that his faith is, again, exemplary. It's archetypal. It's ideal. So, brothers and sisters, let us continue to learn from one of the saints, from Abraham. Let us imitate his faith. Let us not only consider the fear which he had to overcome, but also share in the joy that was his through faith in Christ. Let us trust in the promises of God, even when, often when, our human understanding, in our human understanding, there is no way to see how God is actually going to make good on those promises. And let us offer unto him whatever it is he asks for. Therefore, let us offer unto him ourselves, knowing that it is only when we lose our lives that we find them, and we find them in Christ, a life in Jesus Christ, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, world without end. Amen.